Good Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom. Today, we are going to be listening to a speech I gave to some Fanshawe kids uh, for FHP. Now, the reason I am kind of quiet here in the intro is because I don't want the volume to be crazy different because it's a little quieter in my speech. So enjoy and, yeah, enjoy some fitness talk for once. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I started 2016 and then graduated 2018. Uh, if you can tell, I'm, I am multitasking. I'm doing a podcast as well because I, there's something called recycling content and you might as well use the same post for a blog, same video for snippets on Instagram, or if you're going to speak, you might as well record it. Uh, yeah, pretty much this is going to be very un- informal. I'm going to tell you things that, again, I had learned after school was over and things I wish I knew earlier, pretty much. Um, The reason this is going to be a great talk as well is because I I ripped my pants right open coming on in. I got stuck on the seat and there you go. I rode my bike in. But uh, also, I am not an expert. I've been in the industry just shy of five years. Who here knows the Dunning-Kruger effect? The Dunning-Kruger effect, yeah. It's where a person who's starting out has the same amount of confidence when speaking about something as an expert because that they don't know what they don't know. So just keep this in mind and you'll see this a lot online. So watch out for that. And I'm here to tell you that I just started my career. And so maybe that'll be a cool perspective for some of y'all. And I did not get to practice any of this. So, and you guys hear people talk all the time. So I'm just gonna hit you with straight facts right away and just some of the nitty gritty I'm not gonna get all schmaltzy with the talking. Be careful where you anchor yourself. I didn't realize that, and it seems like common sense now, you're going to scale a client base, and those clients are probably going to be solidified in a city. And so just be mindful of where you want to start your career, because you will probably end up living there for a long time. And unless there are some different circumstances, but just keep that in mind. You will anchor yourself in a city when you start to grow a client base. And I did not know that. And so just think about where you want to live for a little while. Next thing is this, is, this is actually the bread and butter. This is what I really wish I had embraced early on was context is absolutely everything. And I know a bunch of you already know this, which is awesome. It's such a head start because I can't stand dogma. For example, a squad is good. This is bad. Good, bad, black and white. These, that's dogmatic and that is not fitness. There is no such thing as good and bad. There's no better or worse. Everything is the worst, everything's the best, all the time and never because of context. You can always find a circumstance in which something is appropriate or inappropriate for the goals of the client. So that's something, context is everything. And it actually gets quite boring. How's it going? It gets really, really boring because everyone loves dogma. You open a post and you see some dramatic thing. Don't round your back ever. Don't lift this way. And you love it because it's, it's like, oh, that's a hot take. And sadly, that's what sells. But be that boring person to explain to people. Actually, it's contextual. Moving on. Oh, and, and there is someone, uh, Steph Cohen, this big powerlifter and physio. I love what she had to say. Literally, tweaks and whatnot is tissues not tolerating force. It's just super simple. And when you think of it like that, it's like, oh, so if anatomically I can move in a position, actively not passively because passively i could bend my knee i could bring my foot up to my head but i break my leg i could passively do it but actively i can't so so if you can move actively then it's okay for your body to move there so if people will say like you can never lift this way that way blah, blah, it's okay given the context if you did technically progressively overload technically speaking you start with just the most minimal minimal resistance even if it's gravity so keep that in mind too if your body can move in a, in, a, in a way, it's, it's okay. You just don't scale too quickly. So this, I'm actually gonna quote the man himself, Graham. I remember this, I'll never forget this from a co-op I did with Graham. You want to go super general when you go with in-person clients. Go general, take anyone and everyone. When you go online, niche out, because it's so saturated online. So niche, when you thought you've niched, go even deeper and then make that the content because then the people who are into that super, super niche are gonna follow your stuff. But in person, generalize, and then you can niche later. 
Whereas it's, it's the opposite online, niche out as hard as possible and you can generalize later when you have a following. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned kind of, you know, it's important to, you know, not give hot takes and whatnot. But how do we create interest if we're going to be, you know, giving people objective advice? Objective is blind. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. So what do we do? Right, so how do we draw eyeballs to our business? How do we build our brand, whether we're in person or online? You gave us some great advice. That's kind of, you know, it is different whether we're operating kind of in-person fitness versus online. Yeah. So, you know, what are some of the things you've done, maybe, in terms of, like, an in-person experience? Like, how do you engage the, the client? I, I borrow a technique from a guy named Simon Sinek. I might be butchering his name. I don't know if you should come across this, this guy. This is marketing 101 is a lot of people say product, how it applies, emotional response. You have to flip it. You bring up the emotional response first, then say what this thing does, and then list the product. You see Apple Coke commercials do this the best because they're the best at marketing. So you see how often you see a commercial, you go, what is, you, the whole time you're like, what is this product? But it's this story, you're crying by the end of the commercial. And then, and then near the end, you know, they say, oh, it tastes good. And then at the very end, Coca-Cola. And that's how you gain interest is through people's emotional state. That's as simple as that, it's through emotion. Well, what do you, but there's not just one way to do anything. So anyone think they have an opinion on that? Graham, do you have an opinion? Yeah, I have lots of opinions on <laughs> Let's go, yeah. I Hit think, it. you know, we're, we're sitting here, right? So most of you guys are, are young into a career or potential career and you know you're trying to figure out what your voice is i think this is a big part of where we're going next term and definitely when we start off you know often the thought process when we graduate from this program is what am i going to do next okay, so some of us have some ideas you know some of us are thinking about working you know and really i think the best advice i can give to you your first one or two years of work aren't about making money about continuing your education. You don't know what you're good at yet. Okay? You have ideas. You've seen things in theory in a book. You need to try it. You have no idea when someone's sitting there in front of you and they're crying how you're going to respond and what you're going to tell them. Okay? We can't prepare you for that in a school setting. Okay? You don't know, you know your communication style and who it's going to resonate with. So getting out there and training as many different clients as you can, again, it's not actually always the best way to scale a business because you're going to run into frustration, but it's a good way to figure out what you suck at. So when we, we're trying to teach you in a broad fashion as well, right? We're giving you experience with resistance, cardiovascular, special pops, high performance. You know, no one's going to leave here and be a specialist in all those things. It's an inefficient way to try to grow a business. But seeing a little bit of it, and then, to that point, getting out there and trying it. Go work with people with special pops. Go work with athletes. Go work with middle-aged, general weight loss clients. See what works. You know, you're gonna have an opinion right now as what you think you might want to get into. Odds are most of you're gonna be wrong. And it's not a bad thing to be wrong. It's just you don't know. So once you get out there, really think, am I gonna be in a location um, where I have an opportunity to challenge myself? To learn more, to develop new skills. And I think kind of, you know, as I was mentioning then, you know, figuring out a niche, you know, a little bit after. That's when you start figuring out, well, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, piggybacking a bit. My ideal client, my avatar, was a 25-year-old male athlete in London, Ontario, playing volleyball or baseball. And then I, and, but it turned into a 13-year-old kid playing hockey. So it's, you, you go where the work is, you go with the opportunities. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, so something I wish I did, uh, again, I'm just gonna jump right into all these things, is I would've gone, and at the end of this, I can tell you my story if you want, but you hear a million stories. I would've gone to a big box, a commercial big box, gotten really good at sales, gotten a client base up, taking those clients somewhere and try not to get sued with non-competes. That's what I would've done. Um, and then, and then you can run your own shtick at that point. That's what I would have done. Uh, so what did you do? Oh yeah, and I, I went private immediately. So just a small boutique space, maybe almost twice the size of this room. And just with athletes mainly. 
and, and yeah, while we're on the topic, I'll quickly just tell you I was a contractor right off the get-go, not an employee. Know your rights as a contractor, because in fitness, people love to make you a contractor, but pay you like an employee and treat you like an employee, threatening, threatening you that you'll get fired if you leave, things like that. Um, do a lot of your own research on the difference between contracting and employeeship, because I don't just want to start throwing stuff you'll forget. There's pros and cons to each. And just like those two, just take 10 minutes of your day, just like, be like, all right, which one is more beneficial? Anyways, I was a contractor my whole career, still am. I was doing a split, a 60-40 split, where I got 60%, the business got 40. Someone paid $100 for the session, I got $60. That was a, should have been a little bit of a red flag, because again, he, he had told me I couldn't work anywhere else, and that as a contractor, you can work wherever you want. And when you start to make over 30,000, you need HST number. I did not know this, no one really told me. And so it was like five months later, I was like, oh, the government wants HST from me, but I haven't been charging it. So I had to, it was a very awkward, and actually it, it shouldn't have been a dramatic situation, but my, again, the person who employed me, even though he was technically my client, because I was a contractor, he it was an issue, and but I ended up making it work. So get an HST number when you make over 30, it might be 50K, 30, 50, 30, 30 thank you. So, Sorry? Indeed. Indeed. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's the road I went. I went the private road. And now, okay, the better thing is to pay a flat fee rate. Once you get your own client base, you're going to want to pay rent to someone to borrow space. And then there is no ceiling to your income, right? Uh, that makes sense that 40% will always be taken off versus you play you pay a flat fee you, the margins actually get higher and higher the more clients and that's how not everyone can just do that right away but that's why I say you should go to the big box get a client base and then take them and play pay a flat fee be a contractor because I'm a contractor on Fridays I go work somewhere else uh, just because I network and I can do that I go to people's houses and I charge them HST it's part of the business there's a lot of tax advantages, even though sole proprietors do get hit harder because they don't boost the economy. And anyways, uh, so that was, that, that was my route. And actually now I'm very thankful. I really like not having a boss, you could say. Just I just have to pay rent to somebody. And uh, being, okay, the sales thing. I learned this later. I thought when you hear sales, you think of infomercials, where it's like, Sales, it's literally finding a solution to the problem. You ask questions to find out as much of the problem, and then you find a solution. If there's no solution, you don't turn into ShamWow and start screaming at them. You just say, listen, I don't want to waste time. I wish you the best. Here's a referral. Send them on their way. Boom. That's it. And then people see that transparency, and it doesn't have to be this awkward thing. It's, it's simple. And then people actually love that honesty, and you actually crush sales a little more. Moving on is just show up. I noticed in FHP every semester when I was in school, less and less, there were less and less people in class. I noticed this at sports too. Less and less people, you're just slowly, people get weaned out, less and less were there. There's a saying, right? It's less crowded at the front of the pack. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Just show up. Our peers, social media, etc., makes us turn into perfectionists, which we can all agree it's literally impossible to be perfect. Why be a perfectionist? Just show up. And on this note, just get reps. Actually, this is going to be exactly, I'm going to paraphrase what Grandma just mentioned, go and train people, blah, 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 the cliche stuff, because when you get reps, I'll tell you a story. This professor got half the class, split the class in two groups. They had to make a pot, like for pottery. And they, one group made a pot every day for 30 days. The second group took 30 days to fine tune and try to make it as perfect as possible. At the end of 30 days, the group that just made a new one every day had a beautiful pot versus the group that tried to fine tune and it looked horrible. Why is this? You got to embrace sucking and getting better with every rep. Um, with 
social medias, I did this as well. I just threw stuff out there. I didn't care if it was going to blow up. I just threw stuff out. And then slowly, you find some. You can extrapolate that as you wish. It, that is life. That's life. Uh, on that note, the 80-20 rule. Anyone know? That there's a name for this mental model, this law. Anyone heard of like the 80-20 rule percentage-wise? So 80% of the roads have 20% of traffic and vice versa. 20% of the roads have 80% of the traffic. You can't have 100% of the traffic on, on just 20%. Of the, so if we extrapolate this, for me, I thought I was gonna get clients through social media, email marketing, wrong. I was getting them through word of mouth. And I remember doing this challenge like first year in the industry. I, in 30 days, I sent 40 emails to try and generate a lead a day. I got two replies and they're both rejections. I said, this doesn't work. I was putting too much energy into the 80% that kind of gets you results. The 20% was word of mouth. And so I doubled down, doubled down and I gave referral, um, uh, I, I did like a referral program where my clients get free sessions and they refer. And then all of a sudden, more people start coming through. Find what works, double down on it. Because again, 80% of your success will come from 20% of the work. It's a bit poetic, like it's not literal, but you, you understand the concept. And let's see, I don't try to undercut markets. So this is in regards, I told you this is gonna be informal, I'm just hitting you with stuff I wish I knew. Don't undercut markets. Planet Fitness undercuts the market, they're the best. Do not be second cheapest in the industry, you'll fail. If you're not the cheapest, you have to be the cheapest or else provide value. And where I'm going with this is nothing wrong with looking at competition, being like, yeah, I can charge the same as them. Yeah, I don't have the experience as maybe the same equipment. Bring some sort of value. Don't be afraid to charge more than you think. But don't try to undercut a market and tell someone I got the cheapest. Like it, They'll end up finding cheaper, trust me. So do not do that. And I learned this. I would try to work with people. Just don't do it. Provide value um, because people do talk and you don't want to be second cheapest. Uh, I call this like the social media parade. I heard this through a real estate investor and imagine there's a float and people can hop on. There's a sign saying, hop on my float. Well, some people are going to be skeptical. They're going to watch it go by. And, but they're always watching the parade. This is like social media, right? They're watching your posts and some people don't comment, don't like, they don't even, or they won't even talk to you about training for years, but they're watching and they might hop on after a few years. So it's like, be that float at the parade that's always there. People are always seeing you because it might be years until they decide, okay, I'm comfortable enough to jump on. It's just the consistency, keep posting. Uh, that actually moves on to, I was gonna say the algorithm is just like the tax code. Tax code's always changing because the way the government wants the economy to boost is changing all the time. So just maybe if you plan on going that social media route to gain clients, learn the algorithm a bit more because it's always changing. And so often consistency is that thing that the algorithm loves when you post consistently. Like I say, it doesn't have to be a perfect post. Just people, it's, it's that thought in their head, oh, I see them, I see them. Where have you found the most success like, on social media in terms of the platform as well as kind of style of, of content that you're... Instagram. And I recycle TikToks and throw it on Instagram. Yeah, that's where I get success. There's no one perfect way though. It all works. It all works. Uh, create your own retirement. We're in an industry, you're in, very rarely will you get an awesome pension and all these secure things. But don't see that as scary, seriously. Because you still have to pay into a pension. That's still you investing. You just don't know it. And so this is the segue. This is the beautiful thing about the fitness industry. This is why I love there's so many young people in the fitness industry. Now, going back to just showing up, you'll see a lot of people after you graduate. And there's nothing wrong with quitting, by the way. I'll get to that. You'll see people fall off. And that's, again, it's okay because sometimes there's the sunk cost fallacy. If you just keep investing into something that's sinking. So it's okay to quit, remember that, because sometimes that means you're pivoting to greater things. However, you'll see people just fall off. They don't want to be in the industry. They're not making the money they wanted. Um, where was I going with that? Yeah, create your own retirement. Learn how to invest your money properly because you can probably get actually a better return than you would in a secure pension if you just 
in knowledge on that aspect. And before I digress, this is the thing. You get to talk to successful, whatever, that's subjective, but I'm just saying, fine, okay, financially successful people who can afford a luxury, because that's what training is. You're going to pick their brains. They're going to tell you how they made their money. They're going to tell you how they formed great relationships with people. And, like, not a lot of people have that opportunity. Like, I'm serious with that. Because I talk to a lot of other people my age in other industries. And it's just the Excel sheets. They don't talk to anyone. They're not learning about anything. You get to schmooze for a living. You, so my point being, you get to learn how to not only change behavior, because really we're personal trainers, but we should be called behavior change coaches because everyone knows how to eat healthy and move well. They know what healthy things are. They just don't have the, they can't change their behavior. It's an emotional thing, a lot of baggage. We get to learn how to be these habitual machines. We get to learn how to invest. We get to learn how to be healthy. Like it, and so this industry can create like a really awesome human being. Um, but especially it's that financial aspect because you do have to learn how to invest so that you can retire early. Or retire just at all, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you walk us through um, like what a day in the life today? Like how many clients do you see in a day? How many clients? Like what's your client load? Mm -hmm. um, you usually talk about like long term investments, but like just mm -hmm. first, like what's your day to day? Yeah, sure, sure. I, I have two people in the morning, usually three to four in the evening, and I have a big gap in the middle where I will uh, I help teach sports to school, just some volunteer stuff. And then I will take care of admin, scheduling, secretarial duties, because that, that is part of your job. I forgot to mention that. People will sometimes forget that you are putting on a lot of hats. Therefore, you do have to charge more. Don't be afraid to tell them, hey, I do everything. I don't have a secretary, scheduler, administrator. And that's why you can charge more. Uh, so anyways, middle of the day, I do that stuff. And, and, and like that's to-do list can get very long and that's what you do in the middle of the day when you're free time. Whether, yeah, uh, also working on a side hustle. And that's pretty much your work week. Oh yeah, yeah, the average work week is 60 hours these days just because of all those extra things outside of clients. Yeah, yeah. And I have 20 clients right now, 21 that see me regularly. And then there's the floaters, like athletes will come in the off season when their summers are free. Yeah. Yeah, nothing crazy. Did you rent these things? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What I, do you like if you don't mind sharing? Not at all. Not like, at all. What does it cost you to rent and what's the general, like people give all the details. No, no, yeah. general kind of, like, it, really yeah, yeah. It's I get to use a 2,500 square foot space for a thousand a month. That includes HST in it. So whatever, it's like just under a thousand. Uh, that's the privilege of the guy. You can use this entire an entire space. It's shared with some other coaches and some people that have memberships to this facility. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I haven't delegated any of that out yet. No, no. That's what I like about renting. No liability, no financing machines that could break down. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's called Four City Fitness, and then I just rent from them. So they rent from a landlord, and then I rent from them. So it's like a weird renting reception. Through NSCA. Okay. Three mil.
yeah, like a lot of. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. There's, there's a lot of stories. I <laughs> really, really, this is like three weeks in. This is when I didn't talk about this when novelty. I thought it was a cool thing to do, cool stuff no one else was doing, which is a phase I highly recommend you skip. Do what the, the studies recommend. I got them instead of just holding each other and sprinting with bands, which has been simple. I saw these people sliding on sliders while that someone pulled them. And of course, my youngster, he's like 12 or 13 at the time, toe-picked the ground. And I've never seen someone fly so far in my life because the band was full stretch. And this, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. He probably flew like halfway across his room. It was like 20 plus feet. I've never seen in my life. And he got this like turf burn. And I had to like awkwardly tell his dad. I was like, yeah, they were like doing some resisted sprints and he fell. <laughs> it was like, anyways, it was that. I've had a lot of people like personal life things like just full on we stop the session because they're just like sobbing and out of control like, yeah, there's a lot more I'm forgetting but uh, oh yeah there's there's so no there's so many no no yeah, um, uh, I'm actually not even going to say it because it, it's not good it's not good I, want to, I know I know I know it's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's because it's really, it's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. It's like, like it's no, no, like awkward too. It, another day, or maybe if some of y'all talk to me after. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more time, sorry. Close to I actually, I actually don't. Yeah, I have programs. I tried to sell on my on my website. The website I've only had one client ever come through the website. It's just and it's not like, good. Well, I didn't pay anyone to do it. I just did it myself. And uh, yeah, so I just have uh, the prices on a document that I used to give clients, and and I've laminated. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, it's not up on any website or anything. Which, yeah, like, I knew the industry, maybe that's a mistake, but that's how I do it. Yeah, yeah. I laminate, I print it and laminate it too, just so people who do come in, just like, here it is. Yep. It was the first job. It all, actually, all thanks to Lindsey, Tim, and Graham. Uh, they, someone was looking for a coach who was a little more like sports, into sports and stuff, and that's what they Okay, so actually, I did, and I'm not proud to say this, there was, to me, I had a negative connotation to big boxes. I just thought, like, the gimmicky stuff, um, and which I take that back now. There's some of the most brilliant coaches are in big boxes, but I, I did like the thought of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Do not solicit in writing at all. It's only over the phone and or in person. Don't, because you don't want any paper trail, because then you're, you're screwed. Um, and then try not to post your clients for up to a year after whatever the contract says. Even then, technically, they could say back when you were just, that, like they could try to backtrack it. But even then, small claims court, like for how much it costs sometimes, how much you'll get. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it's, it is a little sketchy, but like, again, uh, yeah. I, I know people have done it. Me personally, I, I made that jump. I didn't get sued, but that's very anecdotal. I'm, the safe thing would obviously be not to do that, but, uh, but like, uh, again, I told you, like, I'm no expert. There's a, that's just uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, it's a headache to them to try to sue someone small claims for a few bucks. Yeah. I feel like in theory, though, you want to go private, you can buy a small, you yeah, okay, so I'm not 100% certain about this, 
if someone says I want personal training there no one can turn down a coach away from um, making money uh, and so yeah if someone wants a coach and just so happens to go to that facility but don't again don't quote me yeah I, I agree yeah you'll mostly run into problems if you're soliciting on site so if you just let your clients know, this is my last day here, here's yeah. my contact info if you wish to follow up with me. There you go. There you go. There's ways around it, and yeah. that's what I recommend, honestly. You build the client base elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, you said so pricing your mechanics, not to worry about like, knowing the value and like, pricing your thing. Like, how would you go about, like, first off, like, kind of generalizing what you want to charge, and then, like, on top of that, say you think you're adding more value, how would you, like, Oh, oh, so two parts of that. One, analyze other businesses, just classic capitalism, look at competition and go from there. Second thing, yes, so um, I, because inflation is insane, I raised my prices quite a bit. But then with my day ones, I said, I sent them all a personalized email. It wasn't even a, a big, to my whole email group. And I said, you've been loyal. You're only getting this. It's only going up a little bit for you. And it was an individualized thing. Because loyalty is key. When you can hold on to someone, keep them, keep them, keep them. This is business 101, is you should be in, investing on to keeping your clients, not necessarily just getting tons of new ones. And not to say that isn't a business model for some, but especially if you have your own client base, just make them really happy. It'll end up being a win, 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 win. Refer out. Yeah. Yeah. My first like year worth of personal training, and then in like year two, I was like, getting more like 50 more people and I was like I feel like I'm training a lot better like I feel like my knowledge is a lot higher like and you want to like raise your price there like you would do the same thing like a half the class like that you had before which you would send a personalized email and like yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and it's not there's nothing wrong with raising your price knowing some people will leave but in the end you're still netting more that makes sense right a few people will go, but the price is higher, and therefore the ones that did stay, it ends up being way more than if you had just kept them. And so that's you just accept it. And there are always going to be people that are very price dominant. I forget uh, there were like four personality types: drivers and emotional people, shiny object syndrome people, and some people are all about the price. And I'm sure Graham showed you how you can anchor people into price points. So yeah, absolutely. Face. That's just reality. People will leave when you raise prices. cover CPP or at least a bunch of it WSIB stuff you can't train anywhere else if you're an employee so when you're a contractor you're paying your own CPP WSIB or uh, and all that stuff you also with T4 pay stubs as an employee they're taking tax off every paycheck so you don't really notice being a contractor it's going to be a lump sum you can do installments and then get a rebate from CRA but you get ready for like a lump sum at the end of the year and that some people aren't prepared for that. You can be screwed. Probably, but I don't know by how much. So, yeah, you'd have to look at it. I don't know. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I with RBC got a business license, so then that's everything's through Zev Sport Performance. But I, my salary, I pay my. It's not even a salary. Every bit of revenue that goes into Zev Sport Performance, I pay tax on because I'm not at the point where I'm getting to pay myself a salary and keeping stuff into a business bank account at that yeah, point. Yeah, there's different ways you can set it up. So typically when you're gonna start, you're just gonna be like Zev's doing, you can just operate on your own name. You can register yeah. for a small business license. Um, and so typically then again, you're the sole, top and sole proprietor. You're sole like proprietor. You're, in there, you're paying all the tax. And as you get bigger, you may look at going to a, a, corporate, a corporation. 
and that's where you'd be an employee of the corporation, even if there's only one person. There's a whole bunch of legal reasons why to incorporate and maybe why it's not ideal for everyone who's starting out. Um, so typically people do it as they're a little bit bigger and or they're trying to bring on multiple employees, then some of the other tax savings make sense being incorporated. If you're mm -hmm. largely a solo entrepreneur, it's much simpler to do it because that's being a very kind of small business or it's just you and your own name, then you can file taxes that way. So again, you can do it both ways. Uh, it does cost money to be incorporated. Yeah. And, and then because it's not real, you'll get audited pretty quick if you try. And this, I'm not trying to venture into accounting. You can get in trouble pretty quick if you were to pay yourself zero salary and only use a business bank account if you incorporate and try to like technically write off everything, which is impossible. The government will go like, you don't need a barbecue for personal training. You'll get in trouble, you'll get audited and that therefore, um, an uncle of mine, not to be this guy, my uncle said, no, no, and he, he does business accounting, he goes, Zeb, I wanted to incorporate. I see all these videos. It's good for liability, blah, blah, blah. And he says, when you make over 200K, that's when it makes a lot of sense for the tax you'd pay as a corp versus private. Uh, like, sorry, independently. So it takes a little while to get there. Yeah, I just pay all the tax through me. Oh, and then picture, picture four quadrants. This is from like an old book. There's like four quadrants. And you have your, your employees, sole proprietors, commercial business investors. And as a sole proprietor, technically you want to scale up into the commercial space, have tons of employees in a big place, technically, because that's the way the tax code is written, benefits the big, the big companies. If you're an employee, you want to invest, 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 and have your investment income cover your lifestyle one day. And, and that's the kind of how it goes. It's, I guess sole proprietor, you can invest too, but you've already got this asset, which is your brand. Anyway, it's just like, a, it's not, that's not a fact, but when I heard that, I was like, oh, that makes sense, cool. Um, so think about that. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of looking at what are our pathways. So often we're gonna start off as, you know, that sole proprietor or maybe you're an employee. But people can get stuck, right? So, you know, if you're looking at commercial fitness, it's fairly simple to make 40, 50, 60,000 um, dollars working in good life for any big box gym. To go beyond that, you know, unless you're really gonna pump 80 hour work weeks continuously, which um, great for longevity. It's hard to kind of make that leap to do a lot of getting six figures. Now you're getting a hundred thousand. How do you do it? Hard to do maybe at a, so a lot of people at that point are thinking, I need to either have my own space, right? So start my own studio, run my own gym, you know, money signs in their brain, but realizing if you're opening your own space just for you, it's probably a bad decision. Right. It's right. crazy costly. I agree. For, for rent and like all that overhead. So you really have to think, if I'm gonna open my own space, it's so I can hire other people mm -hmm. to work for me so I can take a chunk of every hour they work. So if then that comes with additional level headaches because now you're managing employees or multiple contractors who are coming in out of your space and breaking your stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, pipes break, you gotta fix it. And so you know, it's not always as romantic as people like to think it's like, you know, I'm gonna leave commercial fitness or leave a somewhat steady paying job. I think Zev had a very interesting perspective because you've kind of described that you're shortcutting. Like you, that's not necessarily the plan is to open your own station. Like I'm happy to rent, mm -hmm. but for City Fitness, mm -hmm. handle the headache of yeah, the facility. Yeah. I'll pay them that check every month gladly. So you just let me come in. Don't tell me what to do. Just like open the doors mm -hmm. and I can do it. And then you're getting into a different area of entrepreneurship, if I'm not mistaken. So oh, maybe you want to just talk a little bit. Sure. You kind of jumped to the investment. You yeah, were kind yeah. of growing a business in the traditional sense of I'm going to open my own place right. and then hire employees. You're like, screw that. I'm going from bringing money in for myself and then with the money that I'm not spending, what are you doing with it? Yeah. Something I'll never forget. Graham had mentioned this. It's stuck. Restaurants go out of business fastest. Gyms second fastest. The ROI in fitness is awful. That's why I used to think I want to have a facility. It's going to be so cool. And then I started to think like just financially and I go, why not allocate the money elsewhere where the ROI is higher? And that's where I got really into different investment modes and real estate just seemed to be the one with ROI. Large barrier to entry, that's high ROI. So for me, yeah, banks hate me because I'm a sole proprietor. And so with a bunch of cash and I was really busy early in my career and I was able to use that to buy a property. And that's where real estate will be higher, higher. 
people that. But for some people, it could be dividend investing in the stock market. Any, just there's so many ways to invest your money and retire with it. That's the side hustle that I've started going on. People hear this and they say, "Oh, Zap, so you must not like fitness if you're just not doubling down on fitness." Absolutely false. I'm gonna train people till I can't walk. I also just want to be able to go on a vacation. Simple as that. There's nothing wrong with doing multiple things too. Well, who, who made the rules saying you have to do one thing in your life? Um, there's nothing. I could talk to people forever about fitness. It's truly my passion. And so, uh, but there's nothing wrong with investing. Yeah. Most people are renting, and that's owning your business because the business is yours, and that's an asset. There are three. Remember, actually, I'll, I'll tell you, my youngsters. I train a lot of youth, like I told you, and I take this opportunity to teach them things that I never learned when I was a teenager. So they know when they leave the door. I say, "What do you eat after this workout?" And they go, "Protein, carbohydrates." If you want to replenish glycogen and refuel your muscles. So I then always say, "What do you buy with your saved money?" And they go, assets. I go, what are assets? They go, business, stock, property. And they just, at this point, it's just, they know it. They don't even think twice. Because, again, I wish I could draw it out, but you have lower class, I guess now, these days, it's starting to turn to middle. They make money, and they immediately buy TVs, cars with the money. Those are liabilities, right? You get the upper class, they're going to make money. They buy an asset with the money. The asset pays for TVs and cars. That 10-second lesson, you don't learn in school. I don't know if, not to get in conspiracies, I don't know why. I don't know why we don't teach kids every day for 10 seconds. Everyone, good morning. What do you buy with your money? Boom, boom, boom. Because then the world, I guess, wouldn't be in some people's favor. So I'm here to tell you all to, yes, uh, allocate your money through business stock properties. So you don't have to own the studio you work in. But that business is an asset. You can sell it to someone one day who doesn't want to build it up. Some people don't want to build businesses up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I'm very lucky. My brother and I have a place together, and we have a roommate that, like, pays pretty much most of the expenses for the place. So I was able to save money quicker. It's not, it's not an underdog story, but yeah, that's. Um, but there's, there's like, you can, it's risky, but you can borrow money as long as you do your due diligence and see that the debt you're paying off compared to the. Revenue gives positive cash flow. It's a whole real estate talk that is for another day. But like, people, you don't have to just be a gifted bunch of money. You ever, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do franchise volleyball, men's and women's. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, yeah. PJ's and the homie. I, I did Western wrestling. Uh, I did that for a season, and yeah. I, I Lynx ringette I work with every year. And sometimes I forget. Yeah, 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 that's off the top of my head. I was a groundskeeper. <laughs> but oh, but I remember actually there was a guy that worked at this wellness center. See, this is why I'm glad you guys are bringing things up because I forget everything. There's a guy that worked here. He, he was also taking this, this course and he worked at the gym and he said, Zeb, read this book. I know it sounds like a movie. He's like, read this book. It was. Fuel the fire, how to make $100,000 as a personal trainer. And, and one of the things that to this day, I don't know why it's stuck, he said, wear a collar. You stand out in the fitness industry and you wear a collar. It's gimmicky, but who cares? Like, you don't see people there wearing t shirts. They're like, a collar looks nice. And that's why, and I like it, and that's why I wear collars when I train people. Yeah. Sorry? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and on that note, this is like a half truth, I guess. Clients, they're paying good money. It's a luxury. If you come prepared, you're asking the same questionnaire every workout regarding their sleep, what they've eaten, their hydration, stress, tweaks, motivation that day, menstrual cycle. And they know the same questions are coming. You're, in, you're looking good. You're professional. Your shirt's tucked in. You, you know, this is, it's a luxury. They go, good. I'm paying good money. I've got a good guy or girl you know and so I'm just saying think about that present yourself well speak well my kids love when I talk like a teenager but with my older people like yeah professional simple whatever anyways so yeah yeah you're right not a lot of people wear collars
separates you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Uh, the other side, you, your other clientele is regards to what are your suggestions for satisfying a teenager client? You, you literally, okay. I'll take something in the NSCA textbook. Do not create a lot of structure. That's the problem with North America, especially sports and just training, is the structure regarding like training people. Kids do so well without structure. There's a lesson I'll never forget again here at Fanshawe. Lindsay was doing this class on, on youth and, and most of the cognitive developments on the playground. So like, let the, feed the curiosity. You don't have to tell a kid, no, this. They hear that every day from everybody. The kids come to me and they say, Zeb, can I go to the bathroom? I say, buddy, this isn't jail, this isn't school. You don't have to ask me to go to the bathroom. Just go. They love coming in, they see something, they go, oh, what's that? I go, let's go hit a set. You just follow them around. They guide the session. With youth, keep it unstructured. And it's not about these big, I, have a, I call it the 30 second rule. Kids' attention spans will not last more than 30 seconds. Literally, I've seen it. Like, they'll either interrupt you just to talk about something random, literally, or they'll, they'll zone out. They won't, they won't remember what you say. So you, the little things, drink water. Oh, protein, you eat protein? What are you investing in? Oh. Yeah, go foam roll. Like these little, little sim, and then before you know it, they know, oh, I do this here, I do that. There. Like it's the little things you say often, often, often that they remember. Yeah, I don't train kids differently, by the way. You don't have to train kids differently, aside from that structure, because adults do want the structure. Literally, just like an adult whose training age is zero, a kid's training age is zero. You're going to train them the same way. Teach them all the fundamental motor patterns and progressively overload. Simple. You just train a kid like you do an adult. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> uh, any tips for how when you schedule your day? Like, do you generally have like you have time periods like in the morning that you know you want clients, and you have the part that you want to be open for admin, or like do you generally have a structure that you keep scheduling? Stack clients. Again, Graham taught us this in school quite early. You stack. Just stack it. Uh, yeah. Simple. Stack it up, and when there's a gap, take advantage of the gap and start scheduling people in the evening and stack those moments. Stack it. I think, you know, the reality for fitness is there's going to be a lot of split shifts. Some people have the availability to come in and train. They can come before work and after work, so it's pretty easy to fill up eight hours worth of training if you want, but it's going to be looking at early and late. So you have to, if you don't want to burn out, you have to think of how am I going to leverage the middle of the day? So that again, you're doing your admin work, you're doing your marketing work. If you're doing if you're going to volunteer, you know, with groups, trying to build a network, it's all about use those hours productively. Let's don't go home and fall asleep all the time. Yeah, yeah, the, the volunteering helps. Now the entire Jewish community knows I'm Zev the trainer. Like it's just that's known now because I help with all their kids. I teach them all how to play sports. So it's like yeah, volunteering has pros. Not just feeling good because you're helping people. It has pros that way too. It's marketing, right? Yeah, so uh, yeah. do it strategically. If, so it's always good to donate your time, but you can donate your time with a purpose that also benefits you in the long run. It's a great job. A win-win. Yeah. Absolutely. Any other questions from the floor? Maybe I help. Like, anyway, have you always been uh, like a personal trainer, or have you had other jobs since you started? Like, Just like personal training. Yeah, yeah. Just that. Just that. I'm very lucky. I know a lot of people to this day like experienced people. I met uh, nothing wrong with but balancing multiple shticks. I met someone who's a bartender, and they for 20 years they've been bartending and training. Did you ever go on to for the education? No, and I'm glad you asked. Return on time. The return is not there because I'm not in a big box where they on the wall you'll see there's like. 15 pictures and everyone's, it's who looks cool and who's got the most certs under the name. You know, it could be the surf K basket weaving cert, whatever, people love it, who's got the most certs. And I realized, I'm like, why am I gonna pay a thousand bucks for that cert if my clients just wanna feel good and have a friend? And, and that's a hot take. Some people, I hit their ego, they're like, you're telling me I wasted my money? And I'm not, and I, I don't say it like that, but some people get riled and they try to defend it. And they're like, no, no, you, you gotta have these certs because it's good. And that's because the big boxes pay for their certs. 
pros and cons. I'm not. I, I hate dogma, so like it all works. Go assert yourself like crazy. But for me, it doesn't matter. So I have first aid, <laughs> NSCA, and my clients. No one leaves me because I don't have like a billion certs. I love learning, though, yeah, learning never ends, because everything's free, right? So that doesn't mean you can't learn. Go on YouTube, all the certifications post stuff on YouTube, so you can pretty much learn every, what everyone's learning for free, and apply that to your clients. Fun fact. Where do you see yourself? Two years, five years from now, where are you going to be? Two years, I'll be doing the exact same thing. Uh, a lot of, and then five years, it's funny you mentioned five years, that is when I do want to do a little sabbatical. I jumped right into work. Actually, a month before I graduated Fanshawe, I was already at this facility. Again, thanks to all my wonderful teachers. And I didn't get to travel. Like, it, I've neglected that side of my life. So in five years, I do want to build up enough passive income. I can go do other things for a little bit and then not have to worry about building a client base up. That's been the biggest fear of mine is if I leave, I start from scratch. I have to build that client base up. It can take 12 to 16 months. It's not fun. It's a grind. And uh, that's where I see myself in five years. I'll be in another country. Ahora estoy aprendiendo español. Entonces, yo puedo viaje español a latino países. So I, I want to go. I want to go to certain countries and, and maybe train there even. Gama, I need lo me dijiste ya. So maybe I can go to Israel and do stuff. And it's like, yeah. I, I just want to live life that way in five years. I want to do other things. Yeah. Increíble. Chévere, 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 chévere. What's your podcast It's called Self Improved. On Spotify? On Spotify. <laughs> Self Improved. Yeah, hey. When did you start that? Two years ago. Oh, it's a passion project. I think I have two people that listen to every episode. <laughs> no, literally, you see the stats? It's literally two. Hey, let's go. I, so I had learned this thing called inputting. And, and it was this concept that like, I'm an information hoarder and, and I like to get info out when I learn about something and it can be really annoying. And I go, oh, and I, I learned this. I go, I'm probably really annoying to a lot of people. And it hit me, I'm like, okay. Let's get this out in a healthier way. I'm going to just create a podcast or things that I learn. I just rant. And it's once a week, 15 minutes. You used to have long hair. Absolutely. It used to be down to, way down to here. Yeah, I cut it recently. So, and that, isn't that interesting? Y'all only know me as short hair Zev. We, just like if you walked into a movie halfway, you're going to make assumptions. You won't know what's going on. You're going to judge and go, why are they doing that? That's silly. Everyone is, you're walking to everyone's life halfway through. And let this be a metaphor. It's like, you didn't know I had long hair before this. You thought I always had short hair. And so keep that in mind. A little, it's just a multi life lesson to finish things off with. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Zeph. I know you have to run clients after you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. Again, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, helpful. See you.